Well, good morning, church. Thank you, Logan. You see, I'm turned on here. Not turned on up there, that's for sure. Let me start this morning with a um, chicken and egg type question I've been pondering this week. So, am I speaking this morning because many are gone? Or are many gone because I'm speaking this morning? Don't, don't answer that. Let me, let, me, uh, let me explain it this way. Here we are in baseball season, and if you've ever seen them uh, change pitchers, you know, they have the meeting at the mound, and, and everybody uh, congregates there, and the, and the coach comes out, and the, and the relief pitcher comes in, and he hands him the ball and says a few words. Now, if it's five to four, bases are loaded, he's probably going to say, now, remember this guy, he, uh, he hits well to the opposite field, so pitch him on the inside of the plate. But if you're behind by ten runs, he's probably going to hand you the ball and say, don't embarrass us. <laughs> That's me this morning. Because you see, Chris is still on vacation, Rick is in uh, Nebraska, and uh, Cade's leaving in the morning for uh, Thailand, so I'm out of the bullpen this morning. So have you seen or heard this phrase anywhere lately? No, 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 no. Is there a phrase that's used has exploded more over the last few years? But what does it mean? You know, it can certainly mean different things to different people, and especially in different generations. By its very definition, it can be fake because it can be legitimately used to truly represent news that is not true, but it can also be used to represent something you simply don't like or you simply don't want to hear. Parents use this, myself included. Your child comes to you and says, you promised to take me to Chuck E. Cheese. No, no, I didn't. That's, that's fake news. I'm not taking you to Chuck E. Cheese. That's what mom said. No, no, not true. Not true. Some of the folks at my office were telling me the other day that if you lick an envelope, that's five calories. So if I lick 100 envelopes, I've taken in 500 calories? I don't, I don't know. Is that true? I don't know about that. Everything you read on the internet's true, right? So, so I guess it is. You know, this is where we are today. Fake news, internet hoaxes, the ability to Photoshop. You know, this is not a new concept, though. You remember, well, maybe if you were over the age of 50, maybe. Do you remember the, the uh, commercial... Is it live or is it Memorex? And the singer's voice, I think it was Ella Fitzgerald, her voice shattered the glass. And the question, is it live or is it Memorex? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Or, or what about uh, all the game shows, or the reality shows? Is there really a prize behind door number one or is it a zonk? So much today, it's, it's hard to, to determine what's fake. Is it real? Is it fake? 
Sandy Berger's going to have to help me on this one. Sandy, is that real or is that fake? Fake? Okay. But you can just take a picture, right? And if you take two pictures and put them together and put them on the internet, it's true, right? Except when you have a rocky outcropping from Thailand and a castle from Germany and you put them together on the internet and make it look real. Well, in our day and age, it's hard to understand what's real, what's fake, what's photoshopping, what everything can be presented in such a way that it may be real when it's not really the truth. But that's new. That's a new concept, right? Not necessarily. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you hope and a future. This is a very popular verse, especially this time of the year with all the graduations, or you might hear it at, at, at weddings, sometimes even at funerals. You may have seen it on a, a plaque on the wall or a picture on the wall or maybe embroidered on a, on a pillow on a couch. But this popular, oft-quoted verse actually originated in the midst of fake news. And that's why this verse has to be understood in the context in which it was delivered. Many often approach this verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, as a security blanket. God has a plan for me, and that's good. So clearly this difficulty that I'm going through, this, this, this issue I'm going through will end soon and my flourishing will begin. That's not what God was promising to the Israelites, and that's not what God promises to us. And the key to understanding this verse in its context is understanding that Jeremiah is telling Israel and anyone who else will read his words that we will not necessarily escape our situation, but that we should learn to thrive in the midst of it. Here's a fact. You and I and everybody else who walks the face of this earth will experience misfortune and change. Pretending otherwise is not healthy or realistic. Yet how we deal with misfortune and how we deal with change determines our joy. So to understand the context of this verse, you actually have to back up a chapter to Jeremiah chapter 28. I'm going to read beginning with... uh, Verse 1 of Jeremiah chapter 28, you can read along or listen. In the fifth month of that same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azor, came from Gibeon and said to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon, and within two years I will bring you back to this place and all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took away to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the other exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord. 
for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before all the priests and the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back from this place, to this place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me prophesied war and disaster and plague among the countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it and said before the people, This is what the Lord says, In the same way I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. After that, the prophet Hananiah had, after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. You go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place I will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all the nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him. I will even give him control over the wild animals. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year you're going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. In the seventh month of the same year, Hananiah the prophet died. Continuing in chapter 29, verse 1, this is the text of the letter the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, to the priests and the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I've carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me and find me, you will find me with all your heart. So here's the context. The Israelites were in exile 
Exile as a punishment from God because of their disobedience. They had disobeyed God in so many ways, every possible way. They traded him for evil gods. They even preferred to worship demons rather than to bow to the one that Jeremiah described as the true God, the living God, the eternal king. And as a direct result of their disobedience, God carried them away into exile in Babylon. In the midst of all that, we meet Hananiah, a prophet. And in chapter 28, he prophesied peace for Israel, saying they would be returning to Jerusalem soon. Within two years, God would take them back, take them home. His message, all will be well. This will be short-lived. Don't worry about it. It's about over. The problem was he wasn't telling the truth. All would not be well. And the prophet Jeremiah confronts the prophet Hananiah, who had boldly proclaimed that God was going to bring them back in two years, which, spoiler alert, we know is not true because we read so. God doesn't do this. And in this day and age, we see hundreds, if not thousands, of Hananiahs. They're prophesying the same thing both in the religious world and outside of it. All will be well. Prosperity is coming. Claim your victory. And then when you lump Jeremiah 29, 11 into that, and you think about all the self-help this and the self-help that, and seize your victory, and you hear so many that, that believe the Christian life is all about their happiness, and, and many want joy, but they don't want exile to create it, and... Many want to be strong in Jesus, but they don't want to walk the Calvary road that he walked. Many want holiness without the pain. Turn on the TV tonight you know, and watch one of the channels, and you'll hear this message over and over again. The context of Jeremiah 29 is, is exile. It's exile, and Jeremiah rebukes Hananiah and even predicts his death. And he reminds the Israelites that their exile was going to continue. Relief is going to come. Relief would eventually come. God promised that. But not swiftly. And he encouraged them to marry and to bury and to plant vineyards and to seek prosperity seek the prosperity in their current place. Jeremiah calls out Hananiah's lie. And then he states the promise that we read in chapter 29, verse 11. God does have a plan, a good plan. A good plan for the Israelites, a good plan for us. It's a plan that has a hope and a future a hope and a future and a place where we will flourish. And all sounds great. Sounds good, doesn't it? But this is not what the Israelites wanted to hear. They wanted to be told they were coming home soon, right now. They wanted to be told their suffering was going to end soon, right now. 
But instead, God's plan was for them to remain right where they were and to help prosper the very nation who had enslaved them. And then came the biggest blow of all to them. Verse 10 of chapter 29. God says he would fulfill this after 70 years are completed in Babylon. This meant that none of the current generation of Israelites were going home. None of them who heard these words would ever go home again. Hananiah says, yes, you are. But Hananiah is dead. And Jeremiah says, God says, I'm bringing you home, but in 70 years. None of the current generation would return. And that had to be crushing to hear. And did you notice in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I have plans for you. He doesn't say, okay, tell me what your plans are and I'll make sure they happen. You ever planned something and then God led you in a 180 degree different direction? Yeah. And Jesus himself uttered essentially the same truth in, in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So, what are our lessons from Jeremiah. Well, the fake news is we control things. We control our destiny. We control how things play out in our lives. But God says, no, the real news, I'm in control. I'll take control. I'll work things out. The fake news is it's all about our purposes. And God says, no, it's, it's about my purposes. And I will use my people for my purposes wherever I choose them to be. Fake news, it's about our time. It's two years. Two years and we'll be going home. The real news is God says, no, it's about my time. And in 70 years, you'll be going home. You're still going home. I'm going to take you home. I'm going to fulfill my promise. I will return you to your homes, Israelites, from captivity. But in another 70 years. The fake news is it's about I. I will do this, I will do that, I will prosper. But God says, no, it's about I. I will take care of you. I will prosper you. I have plans for you, God says. And the fake news is, we just need to escape. Just get out of it. But the real news is, God says, no, I want you to thrive. Not be happy, not understand that that it's painful and difficult but when you understand God says that I'm in control and I will take care of you and I will bring you home and I will bless you and I have plans for you you can thrive in your situation it's not going to be easy and God never promised that but he says prosper in the city in which you're in exile because it will prosper you as well 
but eventually I will bring you home. Yes, we look for a better kingdom. We're all exiles and aliens here on this earth, this earth that's been corrupted by sin. But God doesn't call us to escapism. He calls us to resilience. Resilience in the midst of our trials and difficulties. And he gives us hope that this life is not all there is. Our suffering here means something to him. And it helps us long for a better kingdom, a better place, a better life. Of course, God knows the plans he has for us. And he'll ultimately deliver. He will give us a glorious future. And as we walk out of here today and as we live our lives on this crazy earth, let's remember that many times the best growth comes through persevering through trials and difficulties, not escaping them entirely. And when we learn perseverance, we find surprising joy. Here's the rest of that quote from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you hope in a future. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Those words make sense when they're viewed in context. Don't they? So what hard thing are you going through or have you gone through? You know, we want God to fix our lives. We want God to fix the world, but God didn't break it. But in the midst of our suffering, may we cling to the words from Jeremiah 29. But cling to them for the right reason. Not the reason that Hananiah verbalized. Not the reason that, hey, this will soon be over for us and God will take us home. He may take us home soon, but God says, I have plans for you and focus on that. Focus on me. Not anything else. Cling to Jeremiah 29 for the right reason. Not the false hope that God will completely take away our pain and suffering. But in the true gospel confidence that he will give you and me and everyone else hope in the midst of it. Good news is that everything about God is completely real. Including the fact that he loves you and he loves me, regardless of what we have done and may have, or may have done in the past. The question is, are we willing to accept that? Are you willing to accept that? This morning, if, if you need our help, if you need our assistance, if you need to begin your walk in Christ by being baptized, we can help you. Or if, or if you need prayers... Or if you have uh, something that uh, you need us to know that uh, God has blessed you with, let us know. There will be elders down front. There will be elders in room 100. Let's stand and sing.